custom on Wednesday night, we'll go straight into the service. If you have your Bibles this evening, let's learn. Uh, let's go to Ezekiel. The book of Ezekiel, chapter 22, and we begin reading in verse 27. Ezekiel, chapter 22, verse 27. Her princes in the midst thereof are like wolves, revening to prey, to shed blood and to destroy souls, to get dishonest gain. In verse 28. Ezekiel chapter 22, verse 28, And her prophets have doomed them, them with the untempered mortar, seeing vanity and um, divining lies unto them, saying, Thus saith the Lord God, when the Lord hath not spoken. The people of the land have used oppression and exercised robbery, and vexed the poor and needy, yea, and have oppressed the stranger wrongfully. And verse 30 is a verse that we all know, no doubt we can quote it in our mind. And it says this, And I sought for a man among them that they should make up the hedge <clears throat> and stand in a gap before me for the land, that I should not destroy it. But I found none. Therefore have I poured out my indignation upon them, and I have consumed them with the fire of my wrath. Their own way have I recompensed upon their heads, saith the Lord God. And I know it's a bit deep at the moment, and those verses are really powerful verses. But I, I wanted us to learn a few things this evening. The Lord has just been spoke, uh, speaking to me this week as I, as I studied for this evening <clears throat> in regards to the, the value, the value of interceding prayer. The value of interceding prayer. And it's interesting here in verse 30, the Lord says this, I sought for a man. And in my mind's eye, as I read the scriptures, I, I often picture myself seeing what the Lord is doing while he's, he's, he's saying this and as he's looking, and he almost visually you could see it, he's, he's looking for someone in the group. And he's looking for someone particularly in the group to stand in the gap. He didn't say the whole group. He said one person, stand in the gap so he can stop his indignation, stop his wrath. And again, this, the Lord just spoke to my heart about the, the, the value of what we have here tonight and the value of what you do, no doubt, in your prayer time, and that's interceding prayer. Let's turn our Bibles now to Job, the book of Job. And as we endeavor to see this this evening, the book of Job tonight, verse 40, uh, chapter 42, Job chapter 42 I want to show you this evening that there is value in interceding prayer and the Lord actually asks us from us. Book of Job, chapter 42. It's right in, near the end over there. Last chapter in verse 10. Uh, verse 9, let's get the context. And so Eliphaz, the, um, Timnite, and Bildad, the Shuhite, and Zephar, the Nahathmanite, went, and according as the, the Lord commanded them, and the Lord also accepted Job. In verse 10, and the Lord turned the captivity of Job. And let's understand this verse and this, this phrase, when he prayed for his friends. He didn't say when he prayed for himself, or he didn't pray um, for, for certain things to happen. No, no, he says, 
the Lord turned the captivity of Job when he prayed for his friends. And there is value in interceding prayer. And what we need to understand as we look in the book of Job this evening is that Job was one of the most ancient books in the Bible. It's one of the oldest books in the Bible. We're familiar concerning Job. I, I, would, I, would, um, I would probably be surprised if you can tell me at least one of the things that, that happened in his life. Can someone tell me one of the, the trials that he faced? What do you think? Lost all his children, exactly right. He lost all his children, that was in verse 18. In, in, in beginning of um, Job chapter 1, verse, uh, Job chapter 1 and Job chapter 2. In verse, in verse, in verse 18, Job chapter 1, Job lost all his children. Anybody else, what else can you tell me about Job? In regards to his trials, there's actually five of them. Somebody else? Lost his cattle, exactly right. The oxen and the donkeys. Um, that's verse, um, uh, they, they, and the farmhands that were killed by the Sabaeans. And verse, I believe that's verse 15. And the next verse, we, we, we hear about a fire from God, right? And they're there in the field, and it's interesting that the fire didn't choose what it consumed. It consumed everyone and everything. And the, 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 the interesting thought is that when the man came back, when, when one of his servants came, he said, the fire came from God. If you look in those verses, it's incredible. If you, if you have some time just to, to read the book of Job, first, uh, first, first chapter and second chapter, not only that, the camels were stolen. And the servants were killed in verse 17 by the Chaldeans. Um, like what we mentioned in verse 18, the, um, he, the, the children of Job were sitting down eating. And a great wind came. Right? And it fell upon them. The roof fell upon them. And they were crushed. They died. You know, it didn't stop there. Job experienced his own personal health difficulties. And in, in Job chapter 2, verse 7, we find that he's been given, he's been approved to get this physical ailment. And some would say, you know, that was a, that, that would say, they would say, oh, there could have been leprosy. Some would say it was elephantitis. But whatever it was, it was painful and it was really sore, Right? Not only that, now you say, Brother Ija, why are we focusing on the negatives? Because I, I want us to see that everything he experienced turned because of one thing. Because it says there in Scripture that we just read, because he prayed for his friends. There is power in interceding prayer. There is power there. And not only that, we, we find not just the physical things that he's lost, but those are revealing with the conversations that he had. It's interesting, if you counted how many things happened to Job, there was five. But then there's also five conversations that Job took, that Job had. Can someone tell me one of them? Someone, what, who, who did Job speak to after all of this happened? Can someone tell me one? His friends. Okay, let's name them. Eliphaz. Let's look in the scriptures. What does it say? Eliphaz, Bildad, Zophar, and then Elihu, right? But then there's someone else. Do you remember who he spoke to? Exactly right. 
And sometimes we read through Scripture and it's, it's very easy to pinpoint certain things. And if you, if you look at what they, actually, uh, what they actually blame Job in doing, there are all different things. There are all different facets of his life that they thought was wrong. But in actual fact, God rebukes all of them and says, no, 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 what you said was wrong. But the beautiful thing is that God allows us to see the conversations. Why? Because not only did he lose things, he lost relationships. Have you ever thought, have you ever, when you read the scriptures, there was at least four people that were standing right next to Job at that time that were distraught, that were probably borderline psychotic? Why? They just watched everything they lived for just get destroyed. They watched people that they cared about die. And now you have these four, four or so people, the servants that survived, came in, and they're telling him what was happening. And now Job is not only dealing with himself, he's dealing with a broken, broken group of people. And the thought is this evening is that God will allow us to go through some things, and we know that through Scripture, that this was allowed by God for specific reasons, for specific goals in Job's life, in his friend's life, in, in Satan's life. There were specific things that God allowed to happen. Why? For Job to understand that God is God, and he can do whatever he likes and still be holy. And you say, Brother EJ, when did it start? Can someone tell me? We read the verse already. When he prayed for his friends. When he prayed for his friends. We'll continue on seeing a little bit more of this aspect. The fact that not only there was five physical issues, there was five relationship issues. But the captivity of Job turned in verse 10, uh, Job 42 verse 10. First point for tonight, and I won't be long, and I won't belabor the point this evening, is simply this. God values your prayer for others. God values your prayers for others. You know, there's, um, if, if you were to look at the times that God asks us to pray and whom to pray for, it's very easy to get lost in the list. But tonight, I'll, I want to, to share to you some of the lists that I, I had the opportunity just to, to research and to grow in. All right? First it is. Let's turn to 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 2. We're going to turn to a lot of pages of Scripture today. Hopefully you brought your Bible. 1 Timothy chapter 2. And we'll begin reading. Verse 2. 1 Timothy 2, 2. It says this. We'll get context in verse 1. I exhort, therefore, that first of all, supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving thanks be made for all men, for kings, and for all that are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all goodliness, godliness, and honesty. God, prayer, uh, God values your prayers for authority. God values your prayers for authority. When was the last time you... You, you sat down or you went with your family and you started praying for the government that we had. Many of you t tonight actually came and prayed for that when we were here all night prayer meeting on Friday. Thank you for coming. It's a great time. But church, the, the government isn't the only ruling thing in our, in, in our lives today. When was the last time you prayed for your boss? 
Because the interesting thing is that um, even though that he's mean sometimes or he says things out of line, the truth is, is that God has placed that man above you for you to learn something, for you to be an influence to him or him to you. And what we need to do is continue praying for those that are in authority. You know, tonight, um, Pastor Hernan's not here. Pastor Hernan's not here. Why? Because he's unwell. He's sick. And there's things that we... As, as, as church people don't understand yet. Why? Because we've never been in that position. That's not just a physical decision-making process. None of those are spiritual thing going on. And we need to understand that our authorities sometimes are getting attacked by the devil left, right, and center. And if we're not careful, we might just take that in for granted and say, oh, he's just using his own wisdom, making his own decisions in his own way. But the truth is, there are certain things that a man of God has to take in order to proceed in following his will. And sometimes there are hard decisions. When was the last time you prayed for him? Because church, the Bible says that you need to pray for kings, those rulers of authority. Not only that, we'll continue on. In Philippians chapter 1, 19. Philippians chapter 1, 19. We will start reading in verse 18. It says this, Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints, and for me, that the utterance may be given of me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in bonds, that therein I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. And here is Apostle Paul saying, Hey, there's, there's some things that you need to pray for me for, and that's the, the liberty and the opportunity for me to say the gospel and preach the gospel. Because yes, you might not be here to help me physically. Yes, you might not have sent money to me yet. But you can pray for me that the utterance may be given of me. Why? So that I can speak boldly the mystery of the gospel. And so who else are we supposed to be praying for? See that backboard right there, and we have all this list of people, and inside your, your prayer points, you have a list of people that are going out and they're telling people about Jesus Christ. Their responsibility is not to go somewhere else and have a holiday, my friend. They're there to tell people about Jesus. And they're representing us. They're representing God in the field that God has placed them in. You know what? The Bible school students that we've sent overseas, they're a representation of us. We should pray for them. We should pray for them. Why? Because one day they're going to come back here. And they need to know that their church loves them and prays for them. When was the last time you prayed for them? He said, but we don't talk. It doesn't matter whether you talk or not, my friend. They are representing us. Not only that, how about the missionaries? We, we pray for missionaries. Yes, we do. Praise the Lord. We, we're we're mission-minded as a church. Praise God. But when was the last time you personally contacted the missionary by yourself? Without going to anyone else, not reading a, a prayer letter and saying, hey, I'm praying for you. Did you know that, um, that, that one of the evangelists that we know, Pastor Hasla, Brother Hasla, he has a back injury. Did you know that? And he's preaching somewhere in Africa right now. And he's going berserk. And he says, I can't even walk that properly. Did you know that? You say, yes, and praise the Lord. 
But what we need to do as a church is understand that it's not just because we do it as a church. No, biblically, we need to pray for those representing us. We need to talk and, and pray to God about our authority. Not only that, there's, there's friends. Again, we've read the verse with Job and, and how he prayed for his friends. And the interesting thought is that once you read what, what, what the friends said about Job, you sort of think, are they really your friend? Do they really know you? Do they really speak from God? And so you have a balance there, not only to pray for your friends, but pray for your critic. Pray for your critics, those people that judge you. I'm sure you have some. You have people that look, up to, look at you, not up to you sometimes, maybe they just look at you and, and they say certain things about you. And it's very easy to, to miss their name in prayer. There's certain people that, you know, it grinds my gears when I pray for them. It hurts. Why? Because you're asking blessing for their family. You're, you're asking blessing for their life. And you say, but Pastor Asia, you're supposed to have you're supposed to have no quarrel about anyone. No, no. It's not the fact we have a quarrel. It's just they're really annoying. In church, I'm being honest. Why? It's almost like they're a thorn in the flesh that they have to stay there. And then you, you, you think about them and you invest in them and they turn around and bite you and you're, you're wondering, what have I done to deserve this? God says, pray for them. Pray for them. You say, where's the verse in regards to that? Well, I have it here. Not only friends, also enemies. Matthew chapter 5, verse 42, uh, 44. Matthew chapter 5, verse 44. Let's read context in verse 43. You have heard that it, it hath been said, Thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thine enemy. Verse 44. But I say unto you, love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you. And let's say this together, and pray for them which what? Despitefully use you and persecute you. Why? That ye may be the children of your Father which is in heaven. For he maketh the sun to rise on the evil and on the good. And he sendeth rain on the just and the unjust. For if ye love them which love you, what reward have ye? And we can say, let's pray for our enemies. Let's pray for those that despitefully use you. But the end result of that is not even your comfort. Not even your peace. What it is, is that God can live through you while you pray for the persecutors in your life. Isn't that a crazy thought? But we need to pray for, for others. You say, what's the first point? Simply this, God values your prayers. If you like writing notes, those who forsake us. 2 Timothy 4.16. And just to tip off the boat, to make sure everything's covered, we read the verse in 1 Timothy 2.1. In 1 Timothy 2.1 says, and all men. It's easy to say, it's hard to do sometimes. Why? Because God values your prayers for others. God values your prayers for others. I exhort you, therefore, that first of all, supplication, 
prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men. That's what the Bible says. Secondly and lastly tonight, have fervency in your prayer. Have fervency in your prayer. God values your prayers, so have fervency in your prayers. Let's turn to James chapter 5. James chapter 5. Verse 13. James chapter 5, verse 13. See, the book of James was written by the half-brother of Jesus Christ and um, the full brother of Jude, uh, or Jonas, which is um, who wrote the book of Jude. There is some back, backdrop for that. James chapter 5, verse 13. Is any among you afflicted? Let him pray. Is any merry? Let him sing psalms. Is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church. And let them what? Pray. Pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of the faith shall save the sick, and the Lord shall raise him up. And if he hath committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. Confess your faults one to another, and pray one for another, that ye may be healed. And this verse, and I have it highlighted, I'm sure you have it too. It says this, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. And so if God values your prayers for others, if God values your interceding prayers, then we must be praying with fervency. And the book of James doesn't just stop there. It gives you an example of who prays fervently. Who prays fervently? He says this in verse 17, Elias was a man subject to like passions as we are. And he prayed earnestly that it might not rain, and it rained not on the earth by the space of three years and six months. And we've gone through this uh, two weeks ago, and we talked about how this is not, a, is not an error in the Scriptures. No, my friend, this is actually a, a confirmation of the Scriptures, that when Elijah prayed, the rain stopped. Not only there, he prayed again in verse 18. He prayed again, and the heavens gave rain. And the earth brought forth her fruit. And this was a man that Elijah was a a man that that didn't just play around when he prayed. He was fervent about what he was doing. So let me ask you a question tonight, church. Tonight, after we have our opportunity to pray, let's, let's try pray fervently. You know, my parents are saved. And I, I can honestly pray that. Well, they, they know for sure, right? But I don't, I don't need to lay, lay, lay awake at night thinking about my parents' salvation. But some of you do. You know, there's some names that have been in this book, in this, this little leaflet thing that we've been given out for months. And we breeze through it like it's nobody. We breeze through it like it's just, it's just a name. But the truth is, that's someone's brother. That's someone's sister. That's someone's dad. And we need to start praying sometimes. And I'm saying all the time when you're 
when you're, when you're driving, you're, you're weeping bucket of tears and, and your, your, your chest is hurting because you're pressuring your body so much. No, no, I'm saying just be honest and, and actually put yourself in the position. When you say, please pray for my friend to come on Sunday because they promised that they'll come and their child gets saved, you should be praying earnestly. You should be praying thankfully, knowing that God answered our prayers, by the way. Church, we saw three people get saved on Sunday. No, 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 no. It, it, wasn't, it wasn't saved because we gave him the, the Holy Communion. They weren't saved because they had holy garments that we provided to them and now they wear it every day. My friend, they got saved because of what the blood of Jesus Christ have done. And my friend, the, the, it wasn't, it wasn't a, 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 a one, two, three step and then follow me. No, no, no. It was the Holy Spirit convicting sin and them understanding the final atonement, the substitutionary atonement for my sin is not somebody else or it's not the church it was Jesus Christ he took the sin from me and bore the sin for me isn't that beautiful not only that that he died and he, he, he was buried and he rose again the third day that is the gospel that's what we preach and there are people that have gotten saved from that list thank God why because you prayed for them don't underestimate your prayers. Don't underestimate the, the fact that you pray for that brother that, that hasn't come to church for six months. Don't underestimate that. Why? Because, you know, we can only do so much and the Holy Spirit does the rest. Praise the Lord. Because sometimes there's things that you're thinking in the back of your mind, there is no way this person could ever come back after making that fall. And how many times have we seen God miraculously strengthen an individual again and now they're serving God now they're growing in their Christian life and you know what's happening it's because of prayer because it says firstly pray so let me ask you tonight and you finish up there's value in our interceding prayer and secondly because there is value let's pray fervently okay Praise the Lord. Let's pray. Father, again, we thank you for this time. Thank you for the reminder this evening of just the two simple po uh, points this evening, Father God, in regards to um, us praying for other people. And Lord, again, this evening as we pray, I pray that we, we just think of, of those that, that have been asked, those that have raised their hands for, for silent requests, those people, Lord, that we often forget to pray for and, and really just pray on behalf of them, even if they're not here tonight, God. I thank you for just the opportunity to, to preach this evening. Bless us, God, in Jesus' name. Amen.